welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy. Streetwear is casual fashion that draws from the aesthetic elements of sportswear, hip-hop, punk, and skateboarding, and mixes in community vibes and coolness. Indigenous fashion shows include the latest in streetwear and indigenous celebrities like Amber Midthunder and the cast of Reservation Dogs drip native streetwear and carry with them messages of cultural vibrancy, strength, and resilience wherever they go. We'll talk with streetwear designers after National Native News. This is National Native News. I'm Jill Freitas from KMBA in Anchorage, Alaska, filling in for Antonia Gonzalez. A bill in the Washington legislature seeks to make it easier for people who commit crimes on Native American reservations to face justice. Steve Jackson reports. The bill had a hearing in the Senate Law and Justice Committee this week. Swinomish Tribal Prosecutor Melissa Simonson says in many cases, it can be very difficult to get those charged with a crime committed on a reservation back to face trial if they flee. In the judicial system, if a tribal court issues a warrant for serious crimes, assaults against children, domestic violence, sexual assault, stalking, and that individual leaves the reservation, there is no access to justice. The warrant cannot be collected upon by any Washington state law enforcement officer. This measure would allow a tribal prosecutor to go to the state attorney general's office or the local prosecutor's office to seek a warrant. Some who testified spoke of current agreements between tribes and individual counties to bring people to justice. Russell Brown of the Washington Association of Prosecuting Attorneys expressed some concerns with the way the bill is currently written. He said that there might be a better way to achieve the goal with less complexity. Each tribe uh, within Washington could enter into an agreement with the governor of Washington. Uh, there wouldn't need to be simple agreements between all the counties. For example, you, you wouldn't need 39 counties agreeing with 29 tribes. Uh, you would have one state uh, compact that the tribes could agree and enter into. The bill originally passed the House on March the 1st. For National Native News, I'm Steve Jackson reporting from Spokane. A Guatemalan indigenous environmental activist says there was an attempt on his life this week as a bus ran into the cart in which he was driving on a highway in northern Guatemala. As Maria Martin reports, Bernardo Caal Shul has been criminalized for many years as a result of his work trying to save a Guatemalan river. 51-year-old Bernardo Calchol is a Maya Kekchi teacher, union activist, and environmental leader in the northern Guatemalan province of Altavera Paz. He was released from prison last year after serving four years on charges Amnesty International says are spurious and retaliatory. The human rights organization has declared Cal a, quote, prisoner of conscience, saying he's been criminalized for his work opposing a hydroelectric project on the Cajabon River, which which the Kekchi Maya considers sacred. On Monday, Cal reported on a Facebook video that his car had been deliberately hit from behind after he'd left court for a mandatory appearance in the city of Coban. Cal complained of back and chest pain, standing alongside his almost totally destroyed vehicle. He says he fears for his life and is asking Guatemalan authorities to investigate the incident. 
But some analysts doubt that Bernardo Calchol will get justice from the same system that's worked to criminalize him and other Guatemalan indigenous activists for years. For National Native News, I'm Maria Martin. Former president of the Navajo Nation, Ben Shelley, passed away from a long-term illness on Wednesday at the age of 75. Shelley served as a member of the Navajo Nation Council for more than a decade, beginning in the early 1990s, before being elected as vice president in 2007. He went on to becoming president of the tribe through 2015. He also served as a county commissioner. Shelley is being remembered for his longtime leadership and is credited for establishing the Navajo Transitional Energy Company, which was created to achieve greater sovereignty over the tribe's natural resources. A private service is being held, but the tribe is working on a public memorial. Flags in the Navajo Nation are being flown at half-staff in Shelley's honor. I'm Jill Freitas. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by BNSF Railway, proudly supporting the nation's economy by moving the goods that feed, supply, and power communities across the country. More at bnsf.com slash tribal relations. Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean & Walker, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for nearly 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy, sitting in for Sean Spruce. Streetwear is all about wearing your heart, culture, and resilience on your sleeve. It's casual, loose, youthful, and cool. It draws from hip-hop, punk, and skateboarding urban cultures. Uh, T-shirts, beanies, sweaters, jackets, and shorts printed with native designs and big statements like Land Back, Deadly, Skoden, or Burn Sage and the Indian Act. Today we'll talk with some native streetwear designers about what it means to wear bold statements and create apparel that celebrates our indigenous communities. You can join our conversation too. Is streetwear your style? What native streetwear brands do you like and support? We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. You can also join the conversation on social media. We're on Instagram at Native America Calling and Facebook as well. We're also on Twitter at 1-800-99-NATIVE. Let's go over to our first guest today. Joining us from Winnipeg in Manitoba, Canada is Sean Rayland Bobar. He's the founder and owner of Red Rebel Armor. He's Anishinaabe from Saking First Nation. Welcome to Native America Calling, Sean. Hi, bonjour. I said my name is Dang Sasquatch, and I'm from the Eagle Clan. My given name is Sean Rayland. I just want to say I'm honored to, that you invited us to come talk today. 
Yeah, no problem. Um, looking around at uh, native streetwear, um, you know, trying to, f- you know, find guests to invite on the show today. Uh, yours was, uh, you know, one of the first to pop up, Red Rebel Armor. Uh, tell us a little bit about the title there and, uh, you know, just how strong, um, you know, brands and titles are within streetwear, um, streetwear communities or the industry. Yeah, for sure. Like rebel armor, it means the red man rising up against oppression is the definition of resilience. I didn't first like arrive to that conclusion when I actually made the streetwear brand. I just, you know, was just choosing words and trying to put something together. But uh, like a little bit of history of me, I'm gang member, ex addict, and at that time when I was starting the brand, I was rebelling against that old lifestyle. Just I wanted. I felt like I had something to say in terms of like sobriety, getting healthy, and just activism. So I decided to. I went with Red Rebel. I was trying to clothing or apparel, but I think armor was fitting, and that just stuck with it. All right. Uh, this is radio. Uh, most of our listeners maybe haven't seen your designs. Uh, tell us about some of the designs and and messages we can see uh, from Red Rebel Armor. Yeah, actually, I'd like to. I'll just put up a product description. I could describe one of our best sellers. Mm-hmm. So this product is the strawberry sage design, and this one second. Strawberry and sage. Yeah, the strawberry mm-hmm. sage. And so the strawberry sage design is rooted in love, medicine, and healing. The gentle touch of Grandmother Moon glistening upon your face. The smell of sage burning reminds you of peace. And the bittersweet taste of strawberries fills your heart with unconditional love. That's written by my partner, Jaylee Govro. The art by Kale Bach, one of the Indigenous artists we work with. But the piece itself, it's the Grandmother Moon with some sage laid over top and some strawberries and some other leaves for it to add an accent to it. But it's, uh, yeah, it's one of our best sellers. And even like the quality of the garments, we use high quality apparel and just our printing process because everything we do is made to order. So we do everything in-house. We use a heat press and super color transfers, which eco-friendly and come on eco-friendly paper. So it's really important for us to you know, take care of mom key in our production processes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up, uh, was this, uh, you know, this kind of streetwear, these kind of messages, very specific to our Native communities and, um, uh, you know, Native uh, aesthetics and, and design. Was that something that you saw a lot growing up? Oh, no, that's that's something i never seen. That's actually a part of like how I came onto the came onto clothing because in our communities, no hate on any other brands, but there's like the cocaine and caviar and the crooks and castles and things like that. Like our people are glorious. We're not crooks and castles. We're not all those all those other things. So I wanted to create something that reflected that because growing up, it's always been the narrative that everything negative, savage, everything. I don't know what I could say on on the national radio. But all that, right? So growing up, 
And that's like hearing that. And I actually discovered our culture while I was incarcerated. I met an elder there named Lionel Houston. And that's what really brought me on this journey to change my life. Because once I started understanding who our people were before colonization and looking at my current behaviors and how I'm surviving now, I, was re I realized I was a part of the problem. I'm like, okay, you know, I got to find some way to be a part of the solution. And I just, you know, I stumbled across streetwear. Right, right. And uh, today, how do you uh, maybe support folks who are coming out of prison and, and reacclimating back to a uh, community? I know that's a, a little bit part of the brand there. Oh, yeah, that is. So that's Red Rebel Armored's uh, recidivism diversion strategy. So the way that we do this is we provide on-the-job paid training in a culturally safe work environment, right, for our relatives that are getting out of the criminal justice system. But we also have, on top of the on-the-job like, on paid training, we have, like, other um, partners in the community that we refer for, like, housing or cultural supports. You know, sometimes we just, on a Friday, we go out. If there's a sweat happening, the elder invites us. We go out as a team. And just, like, in terms of even the process when we come to work, you know, we usually start with a smudge. We try to every time, but it's not 100%. But that's the process because as Indigenous people, especially when we're, you know, we're facing all these barriers, especially when you're getting out of the system, criminal record, no transportation, no nutrition, there's the invisible stuff, intergenerational trauma, there's, you know, the list goes on and on. So it's no wonder why I have a presentation I call Indigenous Joe. It's like, no wonder why Indigenous Joe is going back to jail. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you're back in jail, bro? But no one's looking at the trauma-informed approach, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what is this guy's journey when he's getting out? Does he have IDs? Oh, man, if you don't have IDs, guaranteed you, be, you won't find a job, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, so just looking at those and how could I reduce those and why it's so important to me because I used to be there. I get that. So I want to create something that could bridge that, bridge that gap, right? So because people just want to get their basic needs and like you've got to go commit crimes now because you don't have IDs or whatever, right? So mm -hmm. providing an alternative so they could at least get those basic needs. Now we say Red Rebel Armor isn't a destination, it's a stepping stone. So we do, like I was talking about other referrals, like with the college here in the city, we have referrals there too. So we're really... Yeah, we're just really branched out here in Winnipeg in terms of the social enterprise piece. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. nice. I mean, uh, when you when you put on a shirt, um, uh, you know, from from your own brand here. I mean, you got uh, uh, Indigenous Visionary printed right across your chest. You have that uh, uh, Grandmother Moon, like you were talking about with the strawberries, and um, reconcile yourself with a fist in the back. I I'm obviously looking at your website right now, but uh, what do you feel when you put on uh, shirts and and apparel that have those kind of statements and 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 visuals on it oh it's, it's all about empowerment like i have customers that message me you know our fans they love the gear i even have I have, we have a piece called the protection path hoodie and it has the four medicines on it arranged in a medicine wheel style and we have customers that message us and let us know that they feel protected when they wear that right mm -hmm. so 
that's huge. That's huge to me. And me being indigenous and given my background, I have non-indigenous customers, like their board members. I had them message me and they're telling me they're wearing my clothes, telling my story. And they wanted to know if that's okay. And I said, that's what it's about. That's about reconciliation. You can bring my story to the forefront because it's one thing we advocate for lots too. So for that woman, right, an older white woman, board member, to go and take it upon herself, to feel like she had to share that story because she knew she could create this connection, is that's what it's about. We're empowering people, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, it looks like you have one just for Indigenous allies. It says, Indigenous ally, support, speak up, acknowledge. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yes, that one's a a call out to them. Mm -hmm. So I've had, uh, I've probably had like about a 50-50 feedback on that, good and positive. But the ad that's circulating right now, because I put an ad out, the conversations that are happening in the comments, that's Canada. So we're in Canada, Red River Farmers in Canada. That's Canada right there. So there's like, and I'm talking about, of course, there's rude stuff and all that. There's also a lot of, there's a lot of good happening in there. Social justice warriors are coming on and they're just talking about reconciliation, all these things on a Facebook ad, right? But the reason why I think it's, it's beautiful because here, at least it's a public forum. People are getting out their views. Yeah, they might be wrong, but whatever. That's the state we're in, and it's a baseline to where we need to go, right? So, yeah, it's just interesting being in, I guess, that kind of space with streetwear and, like, the social enterprise piece, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, yes. like, even with uh, hiring the ind- individuals we do, we're saving the government money. They're getting houses. They're getting their families back. You know what I mean? So... That's what it. That's that's it right there. Family reunification. We need role models to be out here to show us the way. You know. So. Got it. All right. Uh, we're talking about Indigenous streetwear today. We have a couple of folks with us. Um, Sean Raylan Bubar over in Canada, uh, owner of Red Rebel Armor. We'll continue right after this break, but you can join us at one eight hundred nine nine six two eight four eight. Joshua Whitehead explores his own unique cultural and personal relationships with his surroundings in his new collection of essays, Making Love with the Land. And Rebecca Webster sheds light on a 20-year legal dispute between the Oneida Nation of Wisconsin and a neighboring town. We'll hear from both authors on our Native bookshelf on the next Native America Calling. My precious relatives, if you are age 45 years or older, it may be time to talk with a healthcare professional about correctal cancer screening. Medicare, Medicaid, and the marketplace have you covered. For more information, visit healthcare.gov or call 800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. You are listening to Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy. We're talking about indigenous streetwear today. Is your closet filled with casual clothes that celebrate your Native culture, resistance, and pride? What messages and statements are you making by the clothes you wear? 
Join our conversation at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Let's go back to our guest, Sean Raylan Bubar, founder and owner of Red Rebel Armor. Um, Sean, I wanted to talk about the business side of everything. Um, what was that like for you? Maybe what was, uh, in, a, in a couple of steps, what was the process like creating um, Red Rebel Armor the business yeah it was like the the journey really may 2018 i was released like hey you gotta find a new way to make a living and so i went online because i still that's how i survived i was selling right so i still wanted to carry those skills over so i went online and i just went down the you know the rabbit hole so i started learning whatever i could because i didn't know nothing about the business design marketing sales like so i had to go on youtube and just keep i uh, started uh, made a shopify website and i started drop shipping that's how i started and i didn't have no money to start either it was just mm-hmm. all free trials this and that to learn everything and uh i didn't like the quality of drop shipping i was talking to my mentor same elder that i mentioned earlier we still have a connection out here and uh you should do it yourself just check it out do it yourself and go that way so you know i went on youtube again learned how to screen print i literally uh so then i had my taxes i got some tax return money so i was able to buy a little cheap uh screen printing press from amazon but i didn't have money to buy the screens so i needed to make the screens myself so i had to chop some wood and figure that out so I, I really went like the nitty-gritty way and it all started in my basement too so I just kept going with it and uh it I ended up going to college when I went to college I brought all my clothes there and I just started I flagged down every single person in the hallway I said, this is it you have to make it happen mm-hmm. right so I went there and I did that and I sold out I think I brought like shirts there I even had one of the instructors say hey you really this is you're starting this business come into my classroom i'll buy a shirt for everybody and take a picture that's what he did so <laughs> there you go 20 dump 20 shirts right on so that built the the confidence right yeah. and uh so as i was building red red armor at home i was still in college at the studying this uh, indigenous social entrepreneurship diploma and i just merged the two uh when i yeah, when I completed school, I decided to go all in on Red Rebel Armor. And uh, yeah, it's like, with, it's always been learning. I'm always learning something new, like every single day, because I'm the leader of the business. Like, it's only going to go as far as I take it. So that's one thing that, you know, I, I put on myself. There. And with, um, yeah, with finding money for capital, finding there's there's barriers everywhere. There's a lot of like indigenous money in Canada, but I haven't been able to tap into it. Strange, it's been four years applying and all that. So I go back to what I know is making a good product and selling it. So that's what funds our employment service for the social enterprise. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so right now. Like I said, I started in the basement. I ended up moving to the social enterprise center. We were in a 300 square office for about 18 months, and we just upgraded to 2,300 square foot warehouse. Uh, which so now we could do our commerce fulfillment. But that happened too because of Powell Pitch. Are you familiar with the Powell Pitch? Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. 
So last year, we won second place in the Powell pitch, and they actually had a local Powell pitch that we won third place. So that money we saved, the second place money from Powell pitch saved, and we used it to get this warehouse. So now that we're here, we're looking at, you know, just expanding, expanding everything. So it's increased revenue because we can increase our production and all those pieces. Yeah. Got it. Got it. All right. Um, I'd like to uh, bring in, um, we have on the line a caller, actually. Uh, Nicole in Gallup, New Mexico, listening on KGLP. Hey, Nicole, you're on. Oh, my goodness. Good morning, all. What a very, very inspired. It's going to bring tears to my eyes. I'll try not to cry. But, oh, that's just, oh, congratulations, sir, for your success. Well, I'm a political activist, and I'm very proactive here in the Four Corners area. Next year, 2024, I lost my daughter, um, Cinco de Maya Day, and it's coming up to uh, opioids, and she broke her back in an accident. And so I'm going to start walking from Church Rock, Winter Rock, Ship Rock, onto Apache country, Pueblo country, and onto Santa Fe, the state capital, where I will meet the governor of New Mexico to create new legislation regarding opioid and uh, fentanyl addiction. And also might as well include the border. What can we do, since I live in New Mexico, about our border and the drug infiltration down south? And I'm calling because I would love... I have my own insignia. I have it wear awesome Navajo uh, top, a top hat, black top hat with contra belt on it. My whole garb, my mo- uh, moccasins, and uh, uh, but I was wondering, is there any way we can get together to help promote your your? your I love that armor, and I can wear it. As I am walking day by day up to Santa Fe, is there any way that we can uh, get together and I can pay you for what uh, needs to be done? But if you can create my own uh, armor. All right. All right. Uh, Sean, any uh, any words for Nicole? Yes, yeah, first of all, Nicole, miigwech for sharing that, having the courage to come out and say that. Yes, we'd love to collaborate with you. If Is it okay if I drop what, my email? All right, well, yeah, my, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, srayland, R-A-Y-L-A-N-D, at redrebelarmorwithau.ca. Please contact me. Of course, we could collaborate and all right, cool. Yeah, all you know, a lot of this is all about uh, collaboration and uh, getting together with um, uh, graphic designers and artists who are, uh, you know, putting out some really awesome products that we would love to see on a shirt or on a a, a sweatshirt, a jacket. You know, that that's uh, what streetwear is pretty much all about. Um, I'd like to go over to our next guest here, uh, joining us. For from Fairbanks, Alaska, is Rico DeWild. He is a hunter, fisherman, and owner of hides. He is Athabascan. Welcome back to Native America Calling, Rico. Hi, thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, so hides, H-Y-D-Z, tell us about what that means. 
Hides is uh, basically um, like the abbreviation or uh, dictionary pronunciation of uh, hides, like animal hides, the clothing of our ancestors. So that's why I chose that name. All right. And um, like uh, we were talking with uh, Sean a while ago, he was giving descriptions of uh, some of the designs. Uh, give us a description of some of the d designs you have there um, on, on hides. I'm, I'm also looking at the website, too. It'd be easier if you asked me maybe a certain design because they have a lot of different designs. It's hard for me to think of the one to uh, pick from. Okay, let's see. So there's one that is like a polar bear. It's like a, two polar bears kind of like looking at each other or it's like a mirrored image. What, what's that all about? Um, that's just the, uh, more the Inupiaq, uh, uh, the, um, Inupiaq design for the my native friends up north. I made it because I have a lot of friends way up in the uh, northern regions of Alaska and uh, just basically the polar bear design. I didn't have really any deep meaning behind it. It's kind of like a couple of polar bears facing each other. You got the skulls and the, also the uh, live heads or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then it looks like there's one, uh, a whaling hoodie. That looks cool. Oh, yeah. That was, I was hanging with my friends from Barrow, also known as uh, Utkiagdik, Alaska now. And, um, yeah, the whaling is a big part of their community. So if I was doing something for uh, Nupiak Designs, that's what I chose to do, a whaling design. And that's something they still do today. So a lot of pride behind whaling up there. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, uh, well, do you see a lot of uh, this kind of apparel that celebrates, you know, the, the hunting culture and uh, subsistence lifeways up there in Alaska? Or are you kind of like the only one up there? Uh, no, I think I'm the only one that was that kind of really intricate uh, detail and stuff with my uh, native design clothing, especially like you look at the wolf raven design. We did that one because uh, when we're hunting, um, we always, like if we're hunting wolves, we always uh, um, look for the ravens because the ravens follow the herbivores. So it's kind of like ravens are kind of like air support, but they're also the same with the wolves because they, they follow the wolves and they help that wolf hunt for its animals so if the wolf gets lucky then you know the raven eats too so uh, that's why i combine those two together on that design the wolf raven design it's like ground and air support basically oh wow okay cool um so was it you coming up drawing these and and uh, transferring them over to different uh, uh clothing here uh, well, it starts with me coming up with an idea. Then I go to an artist like Clinton Williams from Fort Yukon. He's the one that did a lot of the work. And also, um, uh, yeah, he did most of the work. And also had a guy named uh, Jolly Ro or Roger Watkins. He owns a screen printing company called Jolly Roger. And he would do the computer graphics. And if I, I felt like we needed something else, I'd go back to the artist and talk about it, come up with some ideas and sketches, and we'd bring it back to the graphic designer. And it was like a three-man team. I can't take all the credit at all for it. Mm -hmm. It's just like I'm kind of like the uh, producer, you know, the oh, lead okay. producer. Yeah. All right, then. And uh, so what was the, you know, the, the, the uh, business process like for you? And um, what, what do you think we can see from you in the future? Um, it started in like 07. There was a memorial potlatch where we do a giveaway at the end. And a lot of times we give away um, clothing and memory of people. And it was my late mom, dad, my late grandma, Lydia, my sister, Liza, that had passed. And, we're doing a memorial potlatch for them, so I 
came up with some real good ideas. I brought it to the artist. He sketched it. I brought it to the screen printer. He put it together. And I, made, I think I gave out like 30 of them. And then uh, people just really loved them. It was the bear spear design with the bear charging into the uh, native with the spear because that's how traditionally how we did our predator control and how we were able to overcome the uh, grizzly because the grizzly is a very power, it's the most powerful animal. And human beings have to be stronger than every animal to survive out here. So... Uh, that was like the uh, stepping stone for, to becoming a man, like the last step to you know, the journey to being a man in uh, our culture. So it was like a real strong symbol of strength, that one. And um, gave it away. People really liked it. So uh, people started asking me for more. They wanted to buy them. So there was a big Native event up there called Alaska Federation Natives in 2008. I got uh, like three grand worth of stuff put together and sold out within a couple hours. So I said, oh, man, this is awesome. So... Like uh, the one uh, red ribble, the guy before me saying, it's like a rabbit hole. You just start going further and further and further into it. And that's how I ended up making more and more and more designs. And a lot of them have real deep meanings, but some of them I just was feeling some type of way when we did it and just put it out there, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, you never know, the uh, people out there also feel that some type of way and uh, go over to the website and start uh, buying up uh, buying up designs you thought, you know, oh, I'll give it a try. <laughs> and it turns out to be, you know, something really pretty popular. Um, so uh, I'd like to actually go to a caller right now. We have on the line uh, Taba in New Mexico listening on KUNM. Hey, Taba. Hello, hello. Hi. Yata, hey. Say your ma. Hi. Yeah, uh, it's, um... How's it going? Oh, is this Saba? Hola, como esta? Yeah, this is Saba. Oh, okay, sorry <laughs> about that. I saw a T up here on the screen. Okay, Saba, how's it going? <laughs> I'm well, I'm well. I'm uh, tuning in down here in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Nice, nice. And uh, yeah. Saba wear, tell us about it. Uh, well, I, also, I just want to offer my support to the other indigenous brands that have uh, taken, you know, the, you know, the, the journey in uh, creating their own business and putting themselves out there and representing uh, a people, you know, uh, a time, a place. Um, all these things that get overlooked in history due to the narrative that we all have been fed. So big, big up, super thank you to them and everyone else out there uh, representing for our culture and our ways uh, prior to uh, these digital outlets. Right, right. Cool. Well, thank you so much for calling in. I've been watching, uh, I've been watching you do your thing God, since I was in Las Cruces, like, you know, 15, maybe 16, 17 years ago since I was a college student. Um, and it's really been awesome to see your journey as well, just kind of unfolding and, um, uh, you know, I've seen your, seen your shirts really all over the place and seen, uh, you know, your, your, uh, very, your, your signature, um, um, like a Pueblo uh, architecture design. Can you tell me about that? H how important is it for a designer to have like their signature right there next to the design? Uh, well, in um, graffiti culture, ancient graffiti cultures, uh, it was definitely a plus to establish your own style and uh, not be so much of a biter, 
yet uh in, you know more influenced and and uh and taught and handed down these uh these ancient ways right mm-hmm. so i uh i kind of got pushed into the corner in creating an original uh representation of myself and where i come from which is uh the Hamas Pueblo and the Diné Nation, Navajo Nation. So more Navajo than than Hamas, but you know, I I, uh, I was so happy to be accepted by by both uh, crews. So, um, anyways, it's uh it's it's a it's called a Saba hut, which is a future old school traditional dwelling. It's um uh it's a Pueblo adobe style house made from the earth that we live on and around in our region so i'm trying to promote uh the the traditional way we used to uh build our houses you know out of the resources that we have rather than relying on a 30-year mortgage to uh dress over and have to work day and night for mm-hmm. Got it. All right. Well, Saba, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, all the way from Las Cruces, New Mexico. Um, we are talking about indigenous streetwear today. What kind of messages and statements do you wear on your sleeve? Um, who are some of the native graphic designers and streetwear designers you wear? Uh, we're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also one 800 998 We'll be back after this break. This Easter, you can find truly unique gifts and menu items from SweetgrassTradingCo.com, a Ho-Chunk Inc. company, where you can choose from a variety of food, beauty, and wellness items from tribes across Turtle Island. Ho-Chunk Inc. supports this show. Support from the Self-Governance Communication and Education Tribal Consortium, presenting the 2023 Tribal Self-Governance Conference at the River Spirit Resort starting June 26th. Registration closes June 23rd at tribalselfgov.org. This is Native America Calling. I'm senior producer and host Andy Murphy. We're focusing on indigenous streetwear today, and there's still time to join our conversation. Are there small Native-owned companies that turn out awesome casual clothing that speak to your Native culture, community, and resistance? Give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Let's go over to our next guest here. We have Justin Lewis with us. He's the creative director and founder of Section 35, and he's a member of the Samson Cree Nation. Welcome to Native America Calling, Justin. Hi, Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. thank you for joining us today. Uh, so tell me about Section 35. What is, what is Section 35? Um, Section 35, so the inspiration for that name came um, from Section 35, and that's actually a portion of the Constitution in Canada that recognizes and protects our Indigenous and treaty rights. Mm. Um, And so, you know, it's a piece of legislation, and I come from a political family, and and our people have been, you know, fighting to, to protect our treaty rights for, you know, as long as I've been alive. And it was something I always heard elders talk about and reference, you know, Section 35. And so there's always been a bit of a political undertone to, you know, some of the stuff I create. And it was just something that kind of 
resonated with me and it sounded really cool. Uh, and then just from marketing and, you know, there's some really cool plays that you can do with it. So that's kind of where that name comes from. Okay. All right. And uh, so t- tell us about some of the designs and some of the messages we can uh, see on on your clothing here. Yeah, we have our, our core logo. It's, uh, it's like the, we call it the talking feather. So it's basically a, a feather inside of a circle. And so the kind of the inspiration for that was, you know, the, the talking feather that people hold sometimes when they're speaking and, you know, when you're sharing your truth. And so it was really about uh, a logo that represents your truth and our truth is in business people. And so that's our, our core logo and it's, you know, still one of our most popular items. All right. And then uh, the other one we've done, I mean, we've done a lot of, I can't say the word, but F colonialism and those pe- shirts are always really popular with, with our people. And, you know, the inspiration is just, you know, not giving colonialism any power and just kind of reclaiming who we are. And, you know, that really is what that represents. Right. Um, those are two of our, our more popular designs. All right, then. And uh, so so what was the inspiration behind uh, creating Section 35 and, and uh, really turning this into a business? Yeah, I started making... Um, t-shirts and recreating old logos uh from hockey teams that were in my reserve back home uh when I was growing up and you know putting those on t-shirts and it was kind of like this nostalgic you know creating stuff that that our community you know remembers and bringing it back and uh I started selling them and people really liked them and uh you know I just felt like there was not a lot of stuff like that you know at least in Canada uh, and, you know, I was like, well, maybe we could make a brand out of this. And, you know, the only other brands that I really was aware of were down in the States and there was not much, uh, you know, up North that was like that. And so that kind of was like the jump start into, Hey, let's make a brand. And, you know, and then from there we, we created the name and, and the logo and, you know, it took me a couple of years to, to actually launch it. Um, just because it was, you know, like your self-doubt of what if nobody likes it and you know putting yourself out there that way as an artist is really you know it's it's intimidating and so it took me a long time to really have the confidence to to put it out there but in the meantime I you know I did a lot of networking and I was going to events and you know I just kind of generated some buzz about it and finally people started asking when are you going to launch you know and finally we did in in 2016 so yeah all right. Uh, we we see um, uh, indigenous streetwear in um, you know a lot of uh, TV shows. Uh, in the beginning of the show, I just mentioned Res Dogs. Uh, while we were talking about this show idea in our meetings, we, you know, s- some folks here were asking like, "What is streetwear? Like, like what is it? Is it like a you know? Just give me a definition of it." And I was just kind of going round and round, and I thought. Um, you know, it's it's basically what the what the cast of uh, Res Dogs wear. You know, it's very casual. It's just very cool looking. Um, you know, and and the way you wear it, you know, is is also part of the the um, 
uh, part of the uh, streetwear as well. You just, you know, feel comfortable and, um, you know, it, completely in control in, in uh, you know, these, these items of, of clothing, whether they're like baggy and, and casual or, you know, um, you know, really, really, you know, good looking and dressed up and everything. Um, also, I'm kind of thinking of uh, the snotty nose res kids and, and the type of clothing they are wearing. There's a lot of, uh, you know, statements all over. There's a uh, custom, um, you know, custom uh, tribal designs and, and uh, messages to certain parts of indigenous culture. Uh, what, uh, what, what draws you to uh, streetwear? I mean, uh, you know, what's, I guess, most exciting about uh, indigenous streetwear, Justin? Um, that's a good question. I, I think, like, it, it's really what you make it. And I think, like, that's the beauty of streetwear or fashion is, like, you can kind of create your own vibe or create your own style. And, and it's a representation of who you are. And, you know, that's what I think why I like streetwear is it's, it's very, um, you know, you can wear it in just about every situation or however you want. You can dress it up, you can dress it down. Um, but it's really about, like, creating your own, you know, style and your own, uh, you know, vibe with, with what you wear. And, you know, I think that's the, the beauty of it. Right, right. And um, uh, are you the sole designer for uh, Section 35, or, or do you have partnerships with other designers and artists? I wish I did. I, I have, you know, I'd say probably 95% of the design work I do myself. Um, the odd time I'll, I'll work with a couple graphic designers who are friends of mine that are native, but help pull stuff together for me, but most of it I do it myself. So yeah, it's a, it's a big task. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you um, uh, thinking of an, another design right now? Are you working on something new? Uh, I'm always working on stuff. Uh, like we're already working into spring of next year. We just, you know, we've already closed our bookings for fall, winter, and then I've got, you know, new projects that are kind of on the horizon for next year. So there's quite a bit of stuff happening behind the scenes that keeps me really busy. <laughs> yeah, where can we find uh, section thirty-five? Uh, we've got a website, www.section35, and um, you can find some of our stuff in Foot Locker Canada. Um, so we have a couple of small stock lists, but you know our website is our, our main main line to, to shop with us. You can find us on, on the web. So. All right. All right. And um, just before you go here, I want to ask you about uh, social media. That's how I came across you guys. Um, I think I, I looked at one uh, uh, indigenous streetwear company and then, you know, there came a flood of uh, different ads and, um, uh, you know, um, promos for other companies, not native and non-native. Uh, how big is social media for your company? Oh, it's massive. I mean, that's our that's how we reach our followers and our customers. Um, I think it's changed a lot. Um, I notice, you know, like I think the the algorithm and stuff makes it a lot harder to get seen at times. And there's so much social media activity. So, but it's you know, it really is like our our lifeline to our followers and our customers. Right. 
All right. Well, Justin, thank you so much for joining us. That was Justin uh, Lewis, creative director and founder of Section 35. Um, I'd like to go to the phone lines right now. We have Joan in Santa Fe, New Mexico, listening on KUNM. Hey, Joan, you're on the air. Hi. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a question. Um, I hope it's not too ignorant, but I'm recently transplanted to Santa Fe from the Midwest, and I'm really trying to learn and listen and understand and support the Native and Indigenous cultures here. And my question is, is it considered offensive for a white woman to wear all of these wonderful clothing designs that you're speaking about today? Hmm. All right. Why don't we go back to uh, Sean uh, Rayland Bubar over in uh, Winnipeg. He's the founder and owner of Red Rebel Armor. Uh, Sean, w w w what's your response to Joan? My response is yes, because it's about uh, economic reconciliation. It's about cultural appreciation. That's actually a very like a regular question that we see all the time. So like throughout our website, we try to, you know, put it, put it on the website just to put some customers at ease. But on FAQ page on our website, we have a link to the Indigenous Ally Toolkit. So it talks about allyship, the different types of language, the different types of stages. So I'd refer that to you. I think that'd be something you might be interested in on your conciliation journey. But uh, yeah, that's, that's usually what I say. It's about cultural appreciation and economic reconciliation. All right. And uh, who's making this uh, Indigenous Ally Toolkit? I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I'm going to look for the author, too. I know it was from an organization in Ontario. Let's see here. Okay, it looks like the but, Montreal yeah. Urban Aboriginal Community Strategy Network. Yes, yes. Oh, cool. All right. so the authors, yes, if you could check that out, it'd be, yeah, it's just really helpful because I know that question is like, we do need non-Indigenous people to support our businesses, especially in Canada. We only represent 5% of the population, so it's going to be tough trying to grow a business with the only serving 5% of the people, right? So, right. yes. <laughs> All right, that that's your answer, Joan. And um, uh, Red Rebel Armor uh, dot ca is the website there armor is spelled um a r m o u r the the canadian way um <laughs> uh, so, so uh, sean we're uh kind of wrapping up our our conversation right now on indigenous uh streetwear and uh, i'd like to continue that conversation i started with justin about uh just the 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 importance of indigenous streetwear um you know it's it's, it's, it looks like it's part of uh, indigenous fashion. I mean, where do you see indigenous streetwear within uh, just fashion within the community? Sean. Sean, are you still talking to me? Yeah, said, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I thought you said you're bringing back Justin. I apologize. Oh no, it's okay. I, I no, I said I wanted to uh, continue that conversation. I started with Justin. Uh, with you, what, what, how important oh, okay. is streetwear? 
uh, streetwear. It's, you know, it's given us opportunity, you know, to create this social enterprise, like uh, the gentleman from Section 35, right? We get to represent us. We get to represent our people. And it's important because our people have been voiceless for a long time. They've been ignored. So now here's this new, you know, this new renaissance of, you know, Indigenous excellence and, you know, everything our ancestors prayed for. Here we are. We're coming, right? So that's how powerful I think streetwear is. And with any industry you find, you know, Indigenous person, they're always they're always making waves and using their industry to help their community. Right, right. And I'd like to go back to uh, our other guest we have with us, Rico DeWild. Uh, Rico, how do you feel when you put on one of your shirts that just that that shows, you know, just how how awesome the the hunting community, the community there is in uh, uh, Canada or uh, Alaska? Sorry. Um, well, I, by the time I put on that shirt, I've probably seen it so much it seems played out to me. <laughs> no, I'm fine, but uh, I love seeing the other people wear it, you know, more. That's where I feel real strong pride is when I see other people wear my clothes. I'm sure with the other guests on the show, it's the same way. It's all about the, <laughs> trying to represent something strong enough to where people appreciate what you do, and when they do appreciate it and they wear it, that's the best feeling in the world. Um, and also, non-natives wearing it, that's cultural appreciation right there, I mean. You know, we, we bite on other cultures, too, the hip-hop culture and all that. So I think sometimes that cancel culture can hurt a lot. And uh, Natives, we're only, there's only about, what, 3 million of us in the United States. And uh, unless we have uh, other cultures appreciating what we have, that's the only way we're going to blow up. So I really like seeing the non-Natives rock it, too, and appreciate what we're doing out here. Right, right. And then, uh, you know, starts off uh, those those conversations, just like we were talking about in uh, the beginning of the hour, you know, somebody sees a cool design, and they're like, hey, tell me about that. Oh, that's cool. And then, you know, oh, it came from this uh, person over here, they're indigenous. And this is what the what the design means and what it's all about. Um, yeah, completely. That is a part of what, you know, indigenous streetwear um is is starting those conversations just to being proud of uh your local tribal aesthetic being proud of uh, some of the resistance movements happening in our native communities and also just looking really cool <laughs> i'd like to say thank you so much to our guests who joined us today we had rico DeWild, justin lewis and sean raylan bubar also thank you to saba for calling in and joining as well uh, join us tomorrow again for a discussion with some Native authors that we're currently reading. They are on our Native bookshelf, Joshua Whitehead and Rebecca Webster. I'm Andy Murphy. We'll see you next time. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian country are Ameren's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Ameren.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com. Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium the collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. 
Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.